Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Rapnolis. I worked in two video stores in my life, and even at the time, I felt very lucky to do so. It was work, retail work, but I got to work with movies and movie fans, and sometimes got to steer people toward things that I liked, which I found pretty satisfying. The first video store I worked in was a mom-and-pop operation. The second one was a corporate entity, where we sold videos instead of renting them. The first store, I would say, is a little bit more magical working there in that there were experiences I had there that I didn't have at my second video store job. One of my favorite times there is when new videos would come in and maybe even before the public got to watch them, we would put them on in the store, often staying late to watch them. And which videos we watched really depended on who was enthusiastic for it. I was particularly enthusiastic for science fiction, Disney movies, things like that, Usually with the science fiction, you can get people to stay late. The Disney people tended to want to leave. I think I got them to stay to watch Dumbo once. I had a friend who worked with me, was the same age as me. He was really into horror. Whenever anything horror-related came out, he would try to make a night of it. So the lights would go off at, say, 9 o'clock at night. The big TV would go on in the back room. We'd all sit down, maybe order a pizza, and we'd watch a movie. Sadly, the video store didn't last very long. There was pressure from chains, rents were going up, but I remember one of the last late nights we had there, we watched the movie Night of the Creeps. I had not seen it in the theater. My friend told me nothing about it. He was very excited about it, though. He had seen it in the theaters. I watched it and was instantly won over. I loved the inside horror jokes, which have only gotten better with time for me. I liked the very B-movie feel to it, and it is a B-movie on purpose. It was a real treat, and a lot of the movies I got to see there were a real treat. Not because I got to see them for the first time, sometimes I didn't, but because I got to enjoy them with people who were really into them. And often, they could pause, or not pause, they could just talk over it, and they would teach me new things about these films that I was seeing. I got paid minimum wage most of the time I worked in the video business. But the education that I got in film and the experiences I had were worth much more than that. I really do like on-demand video, but I do miss the atmosphere and the memories going to a video store trigger. Still, I can watch a movie, say one that I watched there for the first time, like Night of the Creeps, and I'm instantly transported to that back room. So on today's show, we'll talk about Night of the Creeps, we'll talk about the people in front of and behind the camera, we'll talk about the production of the film, the soundtrack, its reception, its home video release, and its, quote, sequel. We have an info-packed episode ahead of us, so without further ado, let's start the show.
Night of the Creeps is a 1986 horror comedy written and directed by Fred Decker. It stars Jason Lively, Tom Atkins, Jill Whitlow, and Steve Marshall. The writer-director Fred Decker is probably best known for this film and the more famous Monster Squad, which I covered on a past episode. He would work on other films, contributing stories, directing, writing, worked on things like RoboCop 3, Star Trek Enterprise, Tales from the Crypt, and of course House. When he started working on Night of the Creeps, Decker wanted to create an ode to B-movies, movies that he loved from his youth. And so he tried to throw every B-movie cliche he could think of into this film. And it shows, if you love B-movies, you will catch lots of references from the dialogue to the action to the one-liners. This is a love note to B-movies. He was so well-versed in these movies that he wrote the script in one week. The film was shot in the L.A. area. University stuff was shot at California State University Northridge. There was also shooting done at the Griffith Park Observatory, UCLA. A lot of the internal shots were done in a makeshift studio in an old Woolworths department store. The film is interesting because it's basically a zombie film, but it starts off in the 50s with a spacecraft, and a canister from that spacecraft makes it to Earth and releases a small, slug-like worm. At the same time, there's the story of an axe-wielding maniac who's killing people. He murders this girl in a car while her boyfriend is out in the woods, and he gets the slug in the mouth. Then we cut to 27 years later, and we meet the characters from the film, Chris Romero and his friend JC. Chris instantly spots Cynthia, and it's love at first sight, but things are not great. Chris and JC think they need to pledge a frat, and they need to get a human body. They go to this cryogenics lab and basically free the guy who had the slug in his mouth, and the slug gets out there and starts creating mayhem. Meanwhile, the young cop who went after the axe murderer and who was haunted by that particular crime shows up, and these worlds all intertwine. Will they be able to stop the slug infestation? Will a lot of people die? You better believe it, but it's all done tongue-in-cheek, fairly humorous, sometimes almost cartoony. After these messages, we will return. In the laboratory of Dr. Frankenstein, something incredible was created. taste of pure milk chocolate and delicious peanut butter. Unfortunately, no one would listen. And so the world would have to wait for the two great tastes that taste great together in Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Gee, Tony, this place looks haunted. That'll help scare away anybody who tries to steal the secret formula for Kellogg's Sugar Frosted Flakes cereal. Steal it? Well, after all, the formula makes Frosted Flakes a delicious part of this nutritious breakfast. The secret taste of Frosted Flakes makes Tony say... They're great! Tony, he almost stole the formula. <laughs> I'd say he didn't have a ghost of a chance. <laughs> And now, back to the show. A lot of the characters in the film 
are named after people involved in the horror or science fiction industry. It starts with the name of the university, which is Corman University, named after Roger Corman, but there are many more. Jason Lively played Chris Romero, who was named after zombie master George A. Romero. Lively started his career young. He's probably best known for his work in Night of the Creeps and as the second Rusty Griswold in National Lampoon's European Vacation. A very underrated Rusty, in my opinion. There were some commercials for the Old Navy chain of stores a couple of years ago, and Lively was brought out of Rusty retirement to portray Rusty again in those commercials. Jason Lively also auditioned for the role of J.C., a role that would go to a different actor. We'll talk a little bit about him later. Jill Whitlow played Cynthia Cronenberg, named after director-writer David Cronenberg. Jill Whitlow was born in 1964, worked in quite a few films, including Mask, Porky's, Weird Science, and of course, Night of the Creeps. Tom Atkins would play Ray Cameron, was named after James Cameron. Atkins was born in 1935, TV and film actor, worked with people like Stephen King, John Carpenter, George Romero. His first role was in 1968, but it was really when he started working in horror that I became aware of him. He was in The Fog, Escape from New York, Halloween 3, Creepshow, Night of the Creeps, Lethal Weapon, Maniac Cop. It goes on and on. Those are his film roles. He also had a lot of great television roles and stuff like Hawaii Five-0, Rhoda, MASH, Quincy M.E. It is an impressive resume. Steve Marshall played James Carpenter, or J.C. Hooper. He was named after John Carpenter and Toby Hooper. Marshall was born in 1968. In addition to Night of the Creeps, which is probably the film he's best known for, he would appear on TV shows, including an appearance on 21 Jump Street. Wally Taylor played Detective Landis, named after John Landis. Wally Taylor was born in 1931, passed away in 2012. The films he was in include Escape from New York, Rocky III, and The Golden Child, and on TV... He was on 227, Quincy M.E., and Starsky and Hutch. Bruce Solomon played Sergeant Ramey, named after Sam Ramey, television and film actor. On TV, he was Sergeant Foley in the TV show Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, and he was Kenny Zuckerman in Beverly Hills 90210. For me, I remember him best because he had a small role in the film Foul Play with Goldie Hawn. Robert Kino played Mr. Minor, was named after Steve Minor. Robert Kino was born in 1921, born Robert Tatsuya Kinoshita. He worked in films like The Ugly Dachshund and The Snow Creature, as well as Night of the Creeps. Sadly, he passed away in 1999. Now a little bit more about one of these very talented actors is Vic Sage with Why Should I Know This Person? friends, Vic Sage here with Why Should I Know This Person? <laughs> Hello, dear listeners. As Sage has stepped out, I, the projectionist, will be hosting why you should know this person. Let us see. We will be discussing Night of the Creeps writer and director Fred Decker. Fred Decker was born on the 9th of April of 1959 in the city of San Francisco. 
California. Being a bright young lad, naturally gravitated towards horror films, wishing to become a film director himself. It would appear he was rejected by the USC and UCLA film schools, but found acceptance at UCLA thanks to his enrolling as an English major. At UCLA, he came in contact with other students who were destined to be involved in show business, like Shane Black, Ed Solomon, and Chris Matheson, the offspring of the legendary Richard Matheson. Mr. Decker received his first taste of the perils of filmmaking when he was hired to craft a 3D remake of Godzilla. That fell through, but at the age of 27, he sold a screenplay for his horror comedy entitled House. The same year, he would write and direct the low-budget cult classic Night of the Creeps, before joining with Shane Black the following year to co-write and then direct The Monster Squad. Fred Decker was also responsible for writing four episodes of the popular cable channel HBO's Tales from the Crypts, directing the segment entitled The Thing from the Grave. Fred Decker came up with the story for If Looks Could Kill in 1991, though Darren Starr would craft a screenplay from the idea. And in 1993, he wrote and directed the third entry in the RoboCop film franchise. In recent years, he has written teleplays for Star Trek Enterprise, and it was announced he was writing with Shane Black a sequel to Predator, which Mr. Black not only co-starred as a soldier in the original film, but was also an uncredited script doctor. This has been The Projectionist. Goodbye. Thanks, uh, projectionist. Um, hmm. The soundtrack of Night of the Creeps is solid. Music was contributed by Barry Devorzen and Stan Ridgway. Devorzen has a really good resume when it comes to film. Worked on things like Cooley High. Rolling Thunder, The Warriors, Private Benjamin, Xanadu, Mr. Mom, and many others. Stan Ridgway has worked with lots of different artists and has done film and television compositions. He's probably best known, though, as the lead singer of the band Wall of Voodoo. The movie would open on August 22, 1986, and it had approximately a $5 million budget and would gross $591,000 domestically. It did not get a wide release, though. If you were lucky enough to see it when it was released, there was a theater that gave away masks on the opening day of the film that you would put over your mouth, which is a very old-school-style stunt, sort of William castle If you wore the mask, then those slugs couldn't get in your mouth. And, of course, it had the logo of the film emblazoned on it. I'd love to have one of those masks. Despite not doing very well at the box office, the film has a cult following and is fairly well-received today. I'm not sure of its home video and DVD sales, but I imagine it's made back what was put into it easily. 
After these messages, we will return. Last year, one of everyone's favorite candies appeared in a Halloween-sized pack. Skittles. And word spread quickly. Is this the house that gives Skittles? See, I told ya. Hi, I'm Dumpy the Pumpkin, Carvel's fresh ice cream cake, and I'm back for Halloween. And here's my friend, Wiki the Witch. Having a Halloween party? I'm Wiki the Witch. And what could be more fun than to have us for Halloween? We're You want to send one to a friend? Please phone 800-327-GIFT and call the cake honors most major credit cards. Thank you. And now, back to the show. If you've seen this film on TV, you might get different endings. When I first saw it, there's this scene where at the very last minute you get this scare because the dog that's in the film shoots this really terrible looking slug out and ah, you freak all out. But there's another ending, which I've seen since then, where Cameron, who is taking care of most of the slugs, falls down and slugs come out of him and they slither into a cemetery, probably into bodies. You also get the UFO that was searching for them at the very beginning reappears, and we're led to believe there will be a sequel. Sadly, we never got a real sequel, although Deckard would go on to create the Monster Squad, and it gets referenced in this film, which is kind of fun if you're watching it. I was watching it a couple of times this year, and there's some graffiti on the wall of the bathroom that says, Go Monster Squad, and I could not agree with that sentiment more. There was a film called Zombie Town that was released in 2007, which is sometimes billed as a sequel to Night of the Creeps. It is not. It has no affiliation with it, but I've read that a whole bunch of times online. Almost makes me want to check it out, but I'm not going to fall for that. I know that that is what they're doing to me. They're telling me it's like Night of the Creeps enough, but they're just trying to glom onto something I like. I'm not going to allow them to do it. All right, maybe I'll watch it. Maybe. If it's on a streaming service, I'll watch it. Or if I can find it on YouTube. If you would like to own Night of the Creeps, you could pick it up on most major formats. It was available on VHS and Laserdisc almost immediately after it was released in the theaters, although it only had its original ending. But future releases have special features and the alternative ending. I have shown Night of the Creeps to many people, and depending on how I sell it to them, upfront usually determines how they like it. So I'm going to tell you what I tell people who tend to like it. This film, as I mentioned in the beginning, is an homage to B-movies. So if you watch it with that in mind and think of it as an ode or a love letter to these films, you can see what the director was trying to do and why it works so wonderfully. Add to that some fun special effects and some committed portrayals on screen and you have a instant classic. Perhaps not the classic that you know of, but perhaps the classic you can discover. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, you can drop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at facebook.com slash retroist.com and twitter.com slash retroist. The music you hear on the show is by Peachy. If you have musical needs, you can email Peachy at peachy at retroist.com. Thanks to Vic Sage for another great Why Should I Know This Person. If you have feedback for Vic, you can email him at vicsage at retroist.com. 
I guess with all this weirdness, I should also thank The Projectionist. If you have feedback for The Projectionist, you can find him on Facebook at Projectionist Haunted Drive-In. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. Aliens, zombies, slugs going down people's throats and into their brains. What's not to love? This has been a retrospective production. Goodbye.